Hello and welcome to episode two of season four of The Edge of Ages. I'm really delighted to welcome Rob Leach today. Rob, good morning. Good morning. Lovely to be with you. And Rob is the new executive head teacher at My Online Schooling, one of the leading online international schools providing students with an exceptional British education for the comfort and flexibility of their own homes, both within the UK and across the world. Prior to becoming executive head teacher at My Online Schooling, Rob was a head teacher of a large state comprehensive school in London, serving a particularly disadvantaged community. He also has served as a deputy head teacher and assistant head teacher in a range of school contexts, as well as a chair of governors a multi-academy trustee and as a local authorities cabinet member for education. Uh, Rob, you seem to have spanned the whole um, gamut of, of education involvement, <laughs> now moving into online schooling. Let's start with wellbeing and inclusion, which is the focus of this series and, and what Full Circle Education works to support innovation um, in schools with. What does inclusion mean to you personally? Yeah, thank you, Angela. And once again, thank you for having me on today. Inclusion. I think for anyone who works in education is paramount. Whatever your setting or context, I think most people that work in education have a really strong moral purpose to make sure that our students are safe, that they are well, but also that our colleagues, our staff members are also able to to thrive in terms of their career, but also their day-to-day work. But for me also, on a very personal level, inclusion is close to, to my heart. My family have four adopted children and our children are wonderful but they've all had very challenging starts in life and it was a couple of years ago after our children had been with us for a while that I remember sitting in a meeting in school and realising that my children would be the very typical children who'd be colour-coded on a teacher's seating plan. Uh, I've got one child who's got an educational healthcare plan. I've got all of them in receipt of pupil premium. One of them's a HAP, one of them's a LAP. And it struck me once again, really, how despite all of the good intentions in education around inclusion, that there is sometimes still a troubling reality which is that we can sometimes reduce our students, our young people, to labels and to spreadsheets and to paperwork, when actually at the heart of good quality inclusion within education is psychological safety and knowing and meeting very individual needs. And I think they're the two pillars And that's why inclusion and well-being to me is so close to my heart. Yeah, I mean, putting inclusion and well-being together, it's it's about making sure everybody has a seat at the table, isn't it? And is heard equally. And as you said, those coloured dots or those those groups, the triangles, the squares, the circles, (laughs) whatever you want to put them into. It's about making sure that all those needs are met. So so why do you think inclusion is? isn't working i mean you've had experience in the state sector across kind of london schools and without you know being too critical because as a governor myself of a state school i realize you know the challenges the absolute challenges of funding and of targets that all heads face is it working and if it isn't working why do you think it isn't working everywhere at the moment i think you're right and i think that the last few years in particular have been so difficult haven't they uh, in terms of covid in terms of students needs being exacerbated and and the challenges that everyone in the system 
has been facing and trying to overcome. And again, I think the intent here is superb. I've never met a school leader or educationist who doesn't want to meet the needs of individual students. That's part of the the moral purpose. But for me, the starting premise of inclusion is this concept of psychological safety, which can include physical, but I'm talking more emotional and psychological safety. And I think this is not just true in education, but across all industries and sectors, actually. If you have the people in your organisation feeling psychologically safe, there was a report in the US in 2017 that showed there was a 12% increase in productivity in organisations where employees felt they were safe. And I think the same is true in schools, particularly for vulnerable pupils, but, but across the board, Does that school environment provide safety for students to be able to be open about their needs, to be able to connect to their curriculum, connect to their learning, to build the relationships with peers, but also with teachers? And I think that is sometimes in some school contexts is a really big challenge, particularly in the bigger, larger schools where there are some logistical challenges around that. And some of the systems, particularly in the state sector, perhaps some of the structural systems that surround schools, some of the accountability measures, which measure everything but but not well-being or inclusion, frankly, um, some of the league tables, some of the outdated assessment models, if we look at it from a staff perspective, which cause immense workload, but have no relation to what young people are going to experience once they leave education and go out into the wide world. And of course, the limited capacity that many schools have because of funding or other issues to really focus on that individualised set of needs of, of a student. I think all of those things can make getting inclusion and well-being right extremely difficult. Absolutely. As a head teacher, where do you start or can it all be done at the same time? The well-being and inclusion of the students or the well-being and inclusion of the teachers and the staff? It's a really good question. And I think, of course, you want to do both. I've always felt as a head teacher that if I get the conditions right for my staff, then actually they will get the conditions right for the students. And so for me, I've always started with that staff and the culture um, and that idea for staff of it being psychologically safe as well. Actually, are staff part of the mission? Are they part of the culture? Can they see the future? And in terms of culture we've always gone for that approach of do people feel safe that they can say anything to anyone do they feel like they can feedback and and contribute ideas and help to shape the direction of a school and do they see themselves there for the future do they see themselves being there in two or three year time can they see what the future looks like and I think if you can answer both of those criteria with a yes then I think you've got a really good school culture. And I think that will start to build it for the students as well. Yeah, totally agree. It's it's absolutely about happy teachers make happy kids. (laughs) And and you feel happy when you feel included. You feel happy when you feel understood. Absolutely. And that that someone has your success and understand what, what makes you happy at the heart of what they do. So now you're moving into the online schooling market and kind of this idea of 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 well-being and of well-being for teachers and inclusion for teachers and and for students as well there's a lot of other than has been i've been in this market now for over two years about well you know it's screen time and it's very difficult online and you know surely you can't look after well-being while children are online and how do you build that community amongst amongst teachers what are your thoughts on how online schooling has moved on from before the pandemic and and how online schooling is an important part of 
of the answer for wellbeing and inclusion? I think it's a great question and I'm really enjoying um, going into to another context and answering some of these questions myself and seeing it up close and, and personal. I think for me, We've all had a different experience in schools of the pandemic. And again, there was a huge amount of work and effort that went in across the sector and across the world to, to online learning for most schools and teachers. That was something completely new at the time. And of course, some students had a really good experience of that. And some students may have had a, a less good experience of that. And, and that may shape how they feel about it now. It was interesting in my school, we moved very quickly to, to online uh, teaching and my school at the time had quite a diverse set of student needs and served quite a disadvantaged community so I used to go around knocking on doors dropping off laptops and dongles and trying to just get the setup going but I remember really early on being struck by the fact that some of our students who would be the hardest to reach students in terms of engagement or progress in school were suddenly within days coming on leaps and bounds in in an online version of the classroom without some of the distractions and disruptions around them uh, actually they took to it brilliantly and they were some of our most vulnerable students now a full-time online school may not work for everyone. And we've got to be really honest about that. That's not what we're aiming for. What we want to do is to make sure that online full-time schools are part of a diverse menu of choice for parents and for students and for teachers so that actually there's more likelihood that people can choose the right type of school for them, for their needs to, to make progress within them. With an online school, though, what I'm already seeing uh, Angela, is the difference that it makes when you can focus 100% of your time, focus, resources into knowing your students and into teaching and learning. And as you'll know, and anyone that's worked in a physical school will know, trying to maintain that level of focus when you've got buildings maintenance or you've got lettings or you've got all of those distractions and disruptions or behaviour in, in some physical schools, that can be really tough. So actually, the opportunity to spend 100% of my time focused on curriculum and teaching and learning and student progress and inclusion, it, it feels like a real privilege, if I'm honest. Uh, and it's something that I think online schools can really offer. At my online schooling, of course, we offer limited class sizes. That's massive for students in terms of their individual needs being known understood and met by their teachers. We're able to ensure that our classes are disruption free, which for so many young people overcomes a huge barrier to how they feel included or engaged by their schooling as well. And our staff retention is much higher than you'd find certainly in the state education system at the moment, uh, which goes back to the well-being point that we were discussing. So actually our students are able to have less disruption they're able to be in smaller class sizes and they're able to have better and, and more frequently uh, longer term relationships with their teachers. They are massive ingredients around getting inclusion right for students that I feel we can offer, as you say, as part of the answer to inclusion. Well, I'm mean, going to have to say I've, I've um, been involved in quite a few online schools over the last few years and physical schools in kind of looking at wellbeing, inclusion and how to generate success paths for everyone. And I was like you, I had a similar experience in Budapest where kids were going online when we were shut down and they were really thriving. But what I loved and, and I make a point of obviously seeing all the schools before I, I interview the heads. And when I when I came to my online schooling, I saw that the kids were engaged in the lessons, as you say, in smaller classes, but 
that situation where you have in class at how do you engage everybody at the same time? You know, you can do the kind of the visible thinking routines and have everyone round a piece of paper and and writing their ideas. But the, the, to see kids kind of writing into the chat their questions, if they don't want to to kind of say anything or maybe you know you don't have the situation where a kid's got their hand up for a whole lesson you don't manage to get round to them so so it's kind of very inclusive in that respect as well because as a teacher I could see the, the you know the great possibilities of going back and looking at a chat and thinking that question wasn't answered and maybe I'll go back another time and speak to that student so that that is really innovative for me in terms of of you know, looking as a head at kind of the interactions on screen, because I'm, I'm guessing you do record each lesson and those those chats are also kind of there to see. So you can actually yes, see yeah. what's happening in the lessons and the teacher can go back as well and, and, and speak to those children who weren't particularly, you know, didn't maybe didn't get their questions answered or maybe have some misconceptions. Do you have any examples of other kind of inclusive teaching and learning in an online classroom setting? Uh, and also one other question that's always very big, is community so how do you build community as well in an online school so examples of inclusive teaching and learning you know through a screen and also that that building of community no but both great questions and things that we think about really carefully at my online schooling i think you're right when it comes to teaching and learning everything is recorded what a tremendous resource you know not just for vulnerable students but for any student to have all of their lessons recorded they can effectively go back and pause and fast forward a bit like they would with their tv remote these days and that's a great resource for them to go back to consolidate learning to prepare for any assessments they may have but also if they miss a lesson as well and that's something that is a real benefit to online learning compared to perhaps physical learning for so many. And you're right, the text function is really important because it means that our students can either within a group setting with with their other students and peers or on a one-to-one level with their teacher, ask questions that perhaps they wouldn't have the confidence to ask if it were a physical environment. And you have all of the peer pressure and all of the status management that you get in a normal physical classroom. So the opportunity to have almost that direct line live in a lesson to your teacher and the teacher, because there's a maximum of 20 of them in the classroom, having the ability to actually respond in that personalized way both live and or after is something that is really good and our use of breakout rooms as well again that's really developed over time so our students actually can be placed in even smaller groups within the classroom in order to work individually without that group work in a physical classroom that so often can break down either because of behavior or because you're listening to the group next to you etc it means actually it's a lot more independent but you get a lot more personalized feedback and support within that context too and i think that that's really big because we've all seen students i think i remember a student in a school that i worked in a couple of years ago being a student who was terrified of reading out loud terrified of reading out loud and they had a I think it was a cover teacher in their class and the cover teacher asked them to read out loud and this situation just escalated because of the embarrassment and the fear that the young person had at being publicly in their eyes humiliated in front of their peers and actually for them that became something that became a repeated pattern. If that person felt like they were going to be under pressure in that way, that they would opt out via negative behaviour choices. Um, And what we're able to do actually is to offer online alternatives to that. So yes, there's a group aspect to it. There's a smaller group aspect, but there's that very individual, private teacher 
to student approach that we can take as well. And it was interesting, Angela, because I was talking the other day to a, to a parent of one of our students who has uh, ADHD, and her son constantly will tap his desk mm-hmm. or he'll he'll walk around the, cl- the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when he was in physical schools, however much they tried to come up with strategies to make that work, it never could quite work. The concept of someone just getting up in the middle of a lesson or a teacher talking and just going mm-hmm. for a yeah. walk around the room, etc., always caused challenge and difficulty. And now, of course, the mum's delighted because her son is listening, mm-hmm. in, engaging with the task, but can tap away, can walk around and can feel included in learning rather than perhaps being penalised for one of his one of his needs. So I think there's a there's a couple of examples there of where it can, again, not for everyone, but for some people make a real difference. And, and, and about community. So, so what is my online schooling doing to kind of create community amongst students and then perhaps amongst teachers? And it was really interesting because when I was actually going through my interview process, I met with some students and that was one of the top questions I had for them because I was really intrigued. What does full time on school community look like? And it was fascinating to receive their responses. They spoke to me about how they felt much better known by teachers, but also by peers in an online school than they did in a physical school. Wow, that that's amazing. That they got lost in the crowd <laughs> yeah. in a physical school, mm-hmm. that they would walk in, that, that it was too big, that teachers didn't really know anyone apart from perhaps the naughty children's names, and they just got lost in a sea of people. And they hated the transition between lessons and the confusion and the changes and the volume of people walking through. And they said that actually in their small class sizes where there's a lot of stability of the teacher relationship but also of the other peers they get to build really strong relationships we have an online common room where our students can go to if they're not in a lesson they can engage with other students on their online common room across the world and covid disrupted this clearly but across the world there are physical meetup opportunities where students and families that live in countries or cities or regions that are close by to each other can get together physically and what that tends to trigger is lots of ongoing relationships between these families within these areas as well and community and again i say this to people sometimes who don't know about online schools and i say well we have assemblies uh, we do our newsletters we have extracurricular clubs and all of these things our students participate in in just the same way of course with the benefit in my opinion at least, which is that our students have the opportunity to leave school with a global network of friends, a global network of peers and contemporaries. And what an incredible network that is for whatever industry or field or type of world they go out into to have people dotted around the world with whom they shared that educational experience. And what a learning opportunity, Angela, as well. Rather than being in a classroom with 32 people that live down the road from me in my own geographical area. Actually, I'm learning from and with other students from cultures across the world, from contexts across the world, and what an enriching process that can be for students to leave with that global network of friends hopefully that will last a lifetime i'm an absolute believer rob that online schools are the only really true true international schools i mean i was i was in international still working in the international schools market and i would be in my my school in in singapore and you would have 75 different nationalities at school but you were all in the context of singapore so you all had some kind of frame of reference but actually in an online school you're talking to to students who are in their 
in the home country or in another country. And that that idea of inclusion is is really kind of extended, isn't it? Because you you're able to appreciate how different everyone else's lives are and you have that time in small classes to kind of talk about it and to and to, to share that so it's a it's truly truly international in an online school in the sense that it breaks down those borders you aren't centered in one particular country and it shows that we can all learn together even though we're in different countries and we can all appreciate each other's differences which is fantastic it goes back to that concept of of genuine inclusion yeah, doesn't it as yeah. well i mean we talk about inclusion often in terms of individual needs but it's also this equality of provision and actually even between schools but certainly between education systems around the world there can be real inequality over the over the type of curriculum that's delivered over the quality of teaching and learning over the uh, opportunities that can be provided to students in terms of the knowledge that they're going to gain for later life so to be able to say to our students across 90 countries in the world actually this is a high quality standard curriculum for you all there's a real equality there in terms of what they're getting from their education which is in itself inclusive absolutely and and the opportunities to kind of digitally upskill the students and and kind of bring them up to you know the latest reports have shown from from the government and from from skills audits that students are leaving school or going to university don't know how to use excel they're not really kind of digitally savvy so you've got the opportunity to kind of upskill them as well and 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 also a new technology is coming through so there's a lot of exciting opportunities vr will offer what's my online schooling's take on on virtual reality and and how that will will develop in the online school market i think we're really excited by the possibilities that are and will increasingly be offered by vr and I think that when I think about VR and I talk to colleagues, but I also talk to some innovators in industry at the moment, some of the conversations are just really exciting. I was talking to someone the other day about the idea of, well, hang on a minute, if we're teaching, I don't know, World War One and trench warfare, the opportunity for students through virtual reality to be able to actually go into a World War One trench effectively and to see it firsthand, the opportunity for students when we talk about science experiments to be able through and through the comfort of their own homes and the flexibility of that, being able to put on a headset or something similar and through VR, be, be able to go into a science lab and dissect a heart at the same time simultaneously in a high quality and realistic way. I think those practical examples are really exciting for us to think about going forwards long term and i think whether it's trips and visits whether it's the creation of no risk environments for students as they begin to develop and practice their self-care skills before doing it in the the big wider world i was talking to someone the other day who was beginning to use vr to support students with developmental needs to learn how to cross roads and to learn how to use traffic light systems etc and to be able to do that in virtual reality rather than their first practice being where it could go horribly wrong in a physical environment is something that is quite striking i think increasingly will become the norm and it goes back to what i said a moment ago really all of these opportunities that we're seeking to closely monitor trial and and support the development of will create that equality of high quality educational provision around the world because actually it's not always been the case that some people have had access to the opportunities the trips the visits the hands-on practicals Mm. that you get in some parts of the world 
and and VR gives us the opportunity to potentially do that. And it would be great. You, you mentioned earlier, I mean, you've made the leap of faith from physical schools <laughs> into an online school. At Full Circle, we we work with schools and, and my, my strategic advice to them is you should definitely have a hybrid option fairly soon, if not within the next five to 10 years. And we're supporting schools on on kind of working on that. What what, what would your message be in, in terms of that? I mean, you clearly decided that the the online education world was something that you needed to be in. What would you say to those people who are reticent about the position of of online schooling in in the future of education? Yeah, I think you're right. I think there'll be a, a mixture of schools that will just remain physical in their mm-hmm. offering. There'll be the hybrid that comes along increasingly. Yep. There'll be the online development too. And I think the message to everyone is that we can coexist in a really positive way. It's not that everyone needs to move online. It's not that everyone needs to be hybrid. It's not that we can't have any physical schools at all. I think we talked earlier about this idea of wanting in education, a really diverse menu Mm. of high quality provision. But in terms of my leap of faith, do I think the pandemic has accelerated the appetite for online schooling, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that there are many students, particularly perhaps vulnerable students, for whom it was never previously considered to be an option, but for whom now it is engaging them in their education, and perhaps they wouldn't have been engaged in any form of education mm-hmm. without it. And do I think it's an exciting space in terms of technological innovation and the opportunities such as the ones we were just talking about a moment ago with virtual reality. I think it's the place to be if you want to be on the cutting edge on on the front of the curve when it comes to technical innovation too. So to anyone that is able to imagine an education that looks slightly different in the future to the one that we all knew as children ourselves, it's an exciting space to be in. It is something that is an interesting point, though, because I've always said this, even when I was a head teacher in a physical school, we often in education get quite a lot of judgment that comes towards us because mm. it's that one sector where every adult feels like they know it, even if they've never worked in a school yeah. because they went to school themselves. Yeah. And so often that that can be great because it can cause a sense of, you know, people having high engagement in education. But it can be a real challenge as well because we're constantly being expected to be the schools that we were 40, 50 years ago. And therefore, what we need to be able to do is to take a broader community on that journey of innovation and considering what education could look like in the 21st century. Because if we're honest, Angela, so much of education still today really has its roots in the 19th century. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think kind of going back to the very start of our conversation where you said kind of when you went online at your school as I did it opened your eyes up to how some learners really thrived and I think that you know the catastrophe and the and the the awfulness of COVID after that green shoot started to grow of us being able to see that actually there was another way and I I was talking to a a head of a school the other day and talking about the, the strategic development plan and 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 how they should be considering really a kind of an online option and and his response was well I don't want to lose students from my physical school and and my my reply to that was well there are different students these are students who may not have considered your school before who might now there may be a few who think it's much better to go online but that's not been my experience so we're opening up good quality education to different types of students and people who weren't able to access it before. And and, and I know that 
Rob, that my online schooling has registered for the DFE online accreditation scheme. And you're also now a member of CIS, the Council of International Schools. So that whole elevation of of online schools to a similar status in terms of quality assurance as physical schools can only be good. And, And let's hope that there's partnership in future between physical schools and online schools to kind of develop that. I think that's that's really important because yeah. what it should be seen as is an extension of high quality provision Absolutely. and options and opportunities. And I think that's where we want to really connect with, if you like, the mainstream traditional community to make sure that that is understood. And in fact, I had a meeting with a head teacher the other day who was fascinated when I was telling him about online schooling yeah, yeah. and the opportunities within and actually was really keen to connect because he's got some quite hard to reach students who actually might thrive in an mm. online school but mm. hadn't really been aware of the option either so I think actually having the sort of open conversation to be part of that broader educational market of choice of high quality provision is really important. I think the accreditation is important. Obviously, we had the Cambridge International accreditation recently as well, uh, which we're thrilled about because it is important that any education is quality assured and it has that robust um, QA process. But certainly online schools are now receiving that. And I think that bodes well for the future as well. Well, Rob, it's an exciting time ahead you have. And I'm really looking forward to following your journey and my online schooling's journey to, to continue to grow, to provide high quality education online for those who might not have, have been able to get it before. So thank you so much for the time this morning in talking to me. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure to be here. And I look forward to listening to your other guests that you have on as well. (laughs) Thank you so much. Have a good day. That's it for another insightful episode with Angela Fairs from Full Circle. And thank you for listening. To get in touch with Angela, check out her website. It's fullcircle-education.co.uk. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.